Well, we see in our gospel text the Lord bestowing great honor upon John the Baptist. Um, just in case anybody in the crowd was thinking that, you know, oh, John's, he's, uh, he's a has-been. He's in jail. You know, maybe he's even lost confidence in, in, the, uh, in his message and, you know, it's over with for John. So anyway, so, so Christ is really honoring John and making sure that uh, um, no one go, walks away with a wrong impression about him. This idea of honoring, we see it big time here in our first reading from the prophet Isaiah. Uh, and you, the metaphor is, is a metaphor of a woman who is, um, like uh, says, a, a wife married in youth and then cast off. Uh, but there's kind of like mixed metaphors going on here because sometimes in the language of this reading, you have a wife who's been forsaken by the husband, but then also a widow too. So maybe the wife forsaken because of death, but also maybe forsaken because maybe the husband just rejects her for whatever reason it might be. And uh, she is barren. She doesn't have any children. Okay. Um, so she's forsaken. She doesn't have any children. Now, today, um, in today's modern culture in America, infertility is a, is a great a great burden. And some women bear it better than others, but for all women it's a very great uh, a burden. Um, but especially at this time, culturally and socially, okay, in the ancient Israelites, a barren woman, it was a really, a really shameful, uh, horrible thing. Very embarrassing, uh, serious, serious burden. Um, and uh, today, again, you know, if a husband leaves a wife, again, it's a very, you know, humiliating thing. Um, and uh, but at that time, again, all the more so. Okay, so if we kind of put ourselves in the ancient mindset here, uh, so you've got this idea of shame and embarrassment and humiliation. And uh, I guess what we see here, the, the positive news is that here is now God coming back, and it's like this woman now has a husband, and now she has these children, she's fruitful. Spread, this is a, this is a neat one, enlarge the space for your tent, spread out your tent cloths unsparingly lengthen your ropes and make firm your stakes so your house is going to get bigger and bigger this is really a prophecy of the catholic church okay because the the people of god were isolated to this one small section of the earth and then after christ came uh the people of god spread out all over the over the world and and the children were multi were you know multiplication of children upon children upon children so that's what and Christ, being the husband, is the one who's made his bride fruitful, and so there's children all over the earth. And that's a, it's a beautiful thing about uh, the Catholic faith is that it's uh, it's the one faith that's that's uniform and universal over the entire world. It's the only religion that's like that, actually. And there's many people from different cultures and languages um, are are baptized into the Catholic Church. Uh, this idea of honor and shame. I think it's something that's very important to think about and, and, and really invest some of our own moral energy, spiritual energy into this because today uh, in contemporary culture in the West, we're, the sociologists uh, and cultural anthropologists often say we no longer live in a shame-honor society. Uh, something like the Middle East. In the Middle East, they, they characterize the Middle Eastern culture as a shame-honor society. But modern Western people don't live in a shame-honor society. 
Um, and, uh, you know, even with, uh, I read, as you know, I read this book on so the teenagers' use of social media. Um, and uh, there's even like, uh, there's a shaming that's put on people who dare to shame others. Um, so don't, uh, the, the saying is, don't slut shame me. Don't slut shame me. Don't, you know, I can do whatever I want with my body and you shouldn't ever try to make me feel bad about that or shame me. Okay, so you're slut shaming. That's bad. Don't do that. Okay. So it's like we shame those who, who are into shaming others. Uh, so I think it probably is true that generally speaking, we kind of have moved past this whole thing of shame and, and honor. And um, in some ways, uh, it's not bad. In other ways, it is very bad, though. Um, honor is something that we can never let go of. First of all, we need to honor God. But then also, we need to have an appropriate sense of our own honor. It's very, very important. Um, but the question comes down to, what is it that you uh, are seeking honor about, and from whom are you seeking it? I think those are the two big questions. So, uh, this uh, was it last. I'm trying to think now. What homily? It was a Sunday homily I gave recently about um, uh, desiring to uh, basically be accepted within the community of the saints. And so, who is it that we want to be honored by? It's by people whose opinions really matter. First of all, God, obviously, uh, but also the saints. We, we do want to do what's honorable in their opinion. And so, it is good to forget about honor and shame when it comes to the opinion of those whose opinion doesn't matter. And in fact, there's a very nice passage from the Bible that I think of where it says in Hebrews that Christ himself embraced the cross despising the shame, meaning he, he, he could care less because it was a very shameful thing uh, that he underwent. Um, he was virtually naked. He was beaten. He was dishonored gravely in front of everybody. Uh, you know, there's probably something, nothing more shameful really than, than the cross. Uh, but he didn't care about that because he knew he was going to receive divine honor and that in the long run he was going to receive honor from all of those who would eventually recognize that uh, what he did was the most amazing and important thing that anybody could have ever done. So um, for us, too, we need to sort of despise the shame that comes from people who are shaming us whose opinions really shouldn't matter. Um, but we do need to have a healthy sense of honor, and we need to, to labor for that. St. Paul says in Second Romans, he says, those who seek for glory honor and immortality by doing what's good, God will give them eternal life. So that's that's considered what we should be doing, actually, as Christians. By doing what's good, we should be seeking honor. So we should be seeking honor, but through righteousness, through doing what's truly good, not trying to live up just on appearances, but trying to do uh, what's really good in God's estimate. And then finally, just leave you with this, it's, it, it come, this also, this question of honor and shame comes down to the question of who our true self is. We have an external self that's all about appearances, that's decaying every day. St. Paul says our outer man is wasting away every day. <laughs> okay, um, And uh, our outer man, whether it receives shame or, uh, or dishonor or honor, we should be indifferent to that. But we have an inner man that's being renewed every day in the image of its creator, in case St. Paul says. And so our inner self, the self that will be eternal, 
uh, that will stand on Judgment Day and the resurrection. That eternal self, that's the self that we need to be concerned about. And uh, we should we should seek honor for that self. So that's our true self. It's our eternal self. So often people confuse. They, they see their external person um, as their real self. And so then they seek to, you know, then they fall into pride and vanity and all of these things. Um, but our true self is our inner man. That's, that's going to endure, endure for eternity and stand before everybody on Judgment Day. And uh, it's, it's that self for whom we should seek honor rightly by, by doing what's right.